So good morning. Sorry we had to change up the uh, venue for you, but the uh, Elevate Student Conference is using that this morning to stash all of their bags and donuts from their weekend of excitement. Um, just real quick, obviously this is our last one, Foundations Class Number 6, Why Church, as it's titled. But uh, just so you know a little bit about me, some of you some of you I know, some of you have no idea who I am. I'm a random guy showed up to finish up this classes for you. Well, my name's Matt Corns. I'm the uh, men's ministry pastor here at Living Word Church. Um, I've been coming to Living Word now for 18 years. I started, uh, let's see, it would have been my junior to senior year in high school uh, when I started coming over on Val High Boulevard. My past prior to that was I was raised Catholic. I'm from Chauvin, Louisiana, for any of you down the bayou people. Um, and um, God's been good. Um, I have a beautiful wife. I've got three little boys that are, uh, let's see, 10, 9, and 7, somewhere in that range. They all have birthdays rather soon, so I could be a year off. Um, and uh, we, uh, we love ministry. We love, we love church. Um, and we actually right now are kind of semi-helping uh, out fostering two little girls. That's kind of a new world for us. Um, I've had three boys for the last 10 years, and uh, girls are different. For you people to have girls, uh, so it's been uh, it's been interesting. But um, you know, the church and what we're going to talk about here is uh, is near and dear to my heart. I know also to Living Word Church and the importance of it. And we're going to kind of get into what not only what we believe as a church about the church, but also what does the Bible say about the church and its importance and why um, why it's necessary for us in our lives. Um, I'm sure the format's been, if you've got questions, ask them, right? Um, if I can't answer them, I'll get an answer for you, for sure. Um, but uh, that's, how we'll, that's how we'll set it up. Before we get started, is there anything that we need to get out there? Anybody got any questions, anything going on we need to know about? Make sure we're all up to speed. If the temperature gets too hot, let me know. If it's too cold, I'm not sure, not sure I can do about that. The air conditioning gets a little windy in here. Light from these... Uh, here gets pretty warm. So in your book, we're going to kind of go through the first part. It's kind of an intro. I just want to kind of let us lay the scene for something here. So I'm going to read a lot of this to you, and then we're going to begin to break it down, because I want us to kind of see a pattern that's taking place here. Um, the first question says, why is the local church important, and why is it necessary? So look here. It says, there has always been and continues to be people who try to downplay the significance of the local church. Church attendance, for some reason, is optional. They have an idea that they don't need the church, that they have a personal relationship with God, that they can study the Bible on their own and feel like there's no need to subject themselves to the possibility of getting hurt by people in the church. And the next question is, what does the New Testament show us about the role of the local church? Um, what we're going to look at is kind of the first part of when the church began uh, in Acts. And what I want us to see here is obviously there's it's going to be scripture, but what the important part that I want you to see here is the, the detail that was being put to keeping track of the amount of people that was joining the church. And then, of course, the sheer number of them at one time. So Peter preaches his first salvation message, and around 3,000 people respond to the Holy Spirit's conviction. So let's look here. This is going to be in Acts 2.41. It says, So those who have received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. 
praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day to those who were being saved. And then Acts 4, 4 says, But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the word of men came about to 5,000. And then again in Acts 5, it says, And more than ever believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So we see here the book of Acts shows us that the church was counting the number of people, baptized and added to the assembly. The counting of people signifies the value of each person to the fellowship. And they didn't have to become, and if they didn't have to become a part of the church, they wouldn't have had been counted. So you see what we're trying to, the, the picture there is, come on in, Timmy. Yeah, hold on, man. Come on, man. Hey, man, sorry. Cool. Need a chair right here, we'll grab a, uh, let me grab another one. All right, so the idea here is, is the, the emphasis that's being put on the counting of the people coming to faith in Christ. Remember, this is a new thing for the church. This idea of church in this era, this is a completely new situation. Um, and the reason why is, is because now the Holy Spirit, right, through Christ's salvation, the salvation that comes to us through his death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel message is new and fresh for these people here. They actually have done some archaeological um, you know, excavation and exploration in those areas, and they found baptistry areas around the synagogues that were capable of just um, baptizing masses of people at one time. Uh, so they know it to be true that, this, that these numbers, and of course we know the Bible to be true and inerrant, that this is the amount of people that were moving through there. Sometimes we know that that's only, they only counted the men, um, which means it could have been even more, but we also see that, that the multitudes of both men and women and children were involved in this process of the church being developed. So what's important, remember, is that the counting of the souls that was being done, because it says if they didn't care, why, if they didn't care who was coming in, what would be the purpose of counting? What does that matter? I mean, think about even this class here. You know, we keep track of who comes, right? Because there's value in that. There's a purpose to that. It tells us something about you. It shows that there's a connection. Just like anything in life. So it's the same thing here. There's an importance of the building up of the church. We also see that in Acts 18 that when a believer named Apollos wanted to go to another city, the leaders of the church wrote a letter of reference for him to the believers in this new city. This shows that Apollo was connected enough to his local church that they were able to attest to his genuine faith in Jesus. It also shows that there was a group of believers who met together in another city. And let's look at the verse there just so you see it. It says, Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures, which is, that's important, and he has been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when, his wishes, and when he wished to cross to Acacia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. And that's later in Acts 18. And he devoted himself to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Right there, devoted themselves to it, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. 
And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belonging and distributing the proceeds to all that had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So just an emphasis there of the, the body of Christ coming together and his and the way that he was working uh, with the local church. And not only that, that the local church had received him in as well and was allowing him to, allowing him to speak into their lives. You know, we see in the New Testament, it gives us a list here of the seven different cities where churches uh, were taking place. These are all mentioned in Revelation, but Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyteria, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And then you think about all of Paul's epistles. What were they about? Most of them were written to what? The church that he was starting up, the church at Colossus with the Colossians, the Philippians, uh, Thessalonica. There was a huge emphasis on the church, and the question is why? Was it just the was it just something for that time? Was it something that was only intended to happen then? Or or was this something that was being laid out for us as the church on how Christ wanted to see this out? Through all eternity, till, till the time that he comes back, right? This wasn't just for those. Guys, this is for us today as well. So the New Testament gives us a clear picture of what the local church should look like. So, and here comes the big question for us. Why do I need to be a part of the local body of believers like that of New Testament times? Tell me a couple things. So why? Why do you think you need to be a part? Fellowship. Fellowship, Right. What else? Tell me. Be around the same people with your beliefs. Like beliefs, right? Iron sharpens iron. Lift each other up in one area. That's right. Exhorting one another, lifting each other up, being there for one another. What else? Anything else? Teaching all other people the way way to Jesus. Discipleship. Discipleship. That's huge. Yep. What else? Hearing His word, being taught. That's right. Being able to present the body of Christ mature in Christ. Yeah. Just simply praising and worshiping the God together. That's right. Praising and worshiping. Mm-hmm. All right, we're done. Now, I pretty much got all my points here, but we'll go into each one of them a little more detailed. So the first one is teaching, as you spoke. Now let's look at this verse here. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For building up the body of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, or in deceitful scenes. That's Ephesians 4, 11, 12, and 14. Now it says right there for teaching, it says why? It says to equip the saints for the work of the ministry because if, this, if, if the saints, which is us here as the church, is not equipped for the work of the ministry, what happens? It says you'll be tossed to and fro, right, by every wind of doctrine. And the idea is, is you know, when it speaks about shepherding right here. Um, actually, I think this one's a little bit further down. Yeah, pastors are called to shepherd the flock of God. Well, if you remember, I guess it's about a year ago now, Pastor um, Renee in the series where we did one on shepherding and what that and what that looks like. And in that day, this would have been a very common thing for them to understand with shepherding because that's that was a common practice of shepherding sheep for example you know we don't really think about that much anymore we pin them in in a fence and the cows are over there and you go over there and check them out if you want but shepherding in the same we don't really see that in the same picture but for them in that time they really understood that because that shepherd did go out into the field with his flock of sheep and literally 
He guided them and walked them around. He brought them to places where they needed to eat. He forced them to rest. He protected them from evil, whatever it was. So there's this idea of shepherding, and for us as the church, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And why that's important is because if you don't, then we get tossed to and fro. And what ends up happening, and we see this in all of Paul's epistles with the churches, there's always this element of false doctrine, this element of heresy that tends to just sneak into the church because what happens? If we're not guided and we're not rooted and grounded in God's word, then we begin to tail off into good ideas, things that make us feel good, things that seem right, but but how do we know or what are we doing to make sure that's in align, aligning with the will of God, with the gospel message of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection? So there's this idea of equipping the saints also goes into discipleship, uh, which was mentioned. It says, hearing sound biblical teaching is a protection from the enemy's plan to deceive with false doctrine. You know, that's what we, we talked about, about presenting people mature in Christ. So that when you hear something, you know, whether it be possibly maybe in the church, but let's say it's out in the workplace or whatever it is, and you hear something and it says, hold on, that's, that is contrary to God's word. That is contrary to what it tells us we should do. And that's the idea that in that moment, that, that equipping that took place resonates in your heart and you're able to respond to that correctly um, and calling it for what it is or, or steering yourself away from that. So there's a huge importance in us being equipped as a saint. And you know, you think about that, you know, pastor gets up there on Sunday morning and he speaks to, you know, he speaks to all of us, you know, however many people are there. And then we go out there, we go out into the community. And when the church of body is mature and is able to move out, that's how we have an impact on the society around us. That's how the gospel message is advanced, is through the equipping of the saints, so that we are mature and that we do understand what's going on and how to be and how to be different than what the world's got for us. Point number two is fellowship. Who said fellowship? Somebody did. Carl. Carl said fellowship. Carl likes the fellowship. He's always here early drinking coffee. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you can see the day drawing near. That's Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And the previous part of that text is he's speaking about the faithfulness of God. Uh, he's bringing to, bringing to the forefront. But look right here. I think this is an important part of the scripture. It says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another. As far as we see the day drawing near, and the day that he's speaking there is the return of Christ. You know, Think about it then, even 2,000 years ago, they were discussing the day that Christ would return, just as we are now. But the idea here is not neglecting to meet. How many people have you heard before that, I don't, you know, I don't need to know names, but um, have heard that you know, I don't need church, or you know, I, I sit at home and I get everything I need, from either my Bible reading or, you know, watching somebody on TV. I mean, I have. It's a pretty common. It's a pretty common thread, um, and I think if you, if you really get to the heart of it, with most people, is there's this idea, and I think we looked at it here. It was mentioned in the scripture here. Well, actually, in, our, in the intro, the possibility of getting hurt. The possibility of getting hurt, and that's that's not scripture. That's one of our points here. 
And that is, I think, so many times what drives people um, away from the church from the church body because they get hurt or they have been hurt. Um, I was listening to a message the other day, and it was it was speaking about that about you know this idea of of being careful. And I mean, it's not it's not throwing regard to obviously good safety measures, but the idea is as believers, if all we ever do is try to live this safe life of not getting hurt or of, of not being able to be offended or so forth and so on, guess what? Yeah, you might miss out on some of the hurt that comes with that, but what you probably won't ever experience is the joy that comes with the other side of it when it's done with as Christ had intended for us. You know, that time when you step into somebody's life and you have the opportunity to speak life and speak Christ into them and you get to see that restoration that takes place in their life. I mean, that's, a, that's exciting to see God working in someone's life. But if you don't allow yourself to be vulnerable, if you don't allow yourself to step out, guess what? You may never get a chance to see that. And you may never get to be a part of that. And that's what is so important about the body of believers. And that's what happens in fellowship. I mean, think about it. How many times have you started off a casual conversation with someone and you left mad or you left offended or you didn't like something they said, Right? That's when it's going to happen is when you begin to fellowship because it's when you begin to talk and it's when you begin to discuss. But the flip side of it is is the joy that comes with that um, is, is, is far more valuable. And I can think in my own life, the times that I've been offended or should I say chose to be offended or the times that I've been hurt, more times than not if I allow myself to be honest, God is, in most cases is working something in my own heart. You know, even though what that person may have said or done may have not have been uh, right, per se, the approach has to be for us as, God, what are you telling me? What are you showing me? What do I need to do differently? How are you trying to move in my life? It says, only let your members of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, now this is Paul speaking to the Philippian church, he says, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. That's Philippians 1.27. See, what Paul was doing when he was going into these areas uh, to start new churches, he would go in there and his, him and his disciples would spend the time there getting to know people, and he would spend time in the synagogue. And it says that he begins to just to reason and to explain this idea of, of Christ and who he is. Um, he meets with the Gentiles. You know, I mean, the, across the board, he's in there, and he's setting up these churches, presenting them mature, and then he and then he leaves and moves on to somewhere else. But then he writes these letters back to him, and right here he's saying, "So that I whether come and see you or I'm absent, that I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit." So his desire for the church there is they're standing firm in one spirit, in one mind, striving side by side for one reason, for the faith. Of the gospel. Because guys, as believers, that really is the only thing that matters. That's the only thing that's important is that the advancement of the gospel is taking place and it's done through the body of Christ. That's how it was set up. That's the design for it to happen. And he continues there, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Let us, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. 
And that's a, that's a pretty powerful part where that he looks at his own interests, but not the interests of others. And that's this idea of fellowship that we come together and we are we are vulnerable, um, so that the Holy Spirit is working in our life. About six verses before this, this is when Paul says, "For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain." You know, and for us, that's a profound statement for us, and I think it's tough for us to really fathom sometimes because. In our culture, even in the American church, we don't, we view, in so many cases, we view death um, and separation from this earth differently than the way God does. Um, and what Paul was trying to teach us there is that if you're here and you're walking this earth and you're a part of the body of Christ, then your life is Christ. Plain and simple. That means that everything you do is to the exaltation of Christ, is to the glory of God and to the advancement of of the Gospels. And then when that day passes that we get to meet our Savior, whether it be through the coming back of the second coming or whether we pass ahead of time, then it's gain for us is what he's trying to say there. And that's what's so important for us to see as the church body. We find the encouragement and the support that we need in the local church with fellowship. I mean, how many of you are here are members of life groups or, or know what that is at this point? Some of you are, and I'm I encourage you, if you're not, I encourage you to become a, uh, a part of one of those. And there are, there are small groups that meet, uh, in most cases, once a month. Um, right now, we're going through a series in Philippians. So actually, we're studying through the book of Philippians. Um, you know, most places feed you ahead of time, which is a bonus. Um, but the idea is that you, it's called life groups because you do life together. The idea is that that is, that is a group of people that you can call on if you need help moving something, if you need prayer for something, um, if you're in a time of trouble, whatever it is, the idea is just this idea of fellowship in a big church particularly, these life groups allow us to have a more close relationship, typically a group of friends. So I encourage you to become a part of that. The point three here is that we have spiritual growth. We have spiritual growth. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and we read this one earlier, but it's going to play a little bit differently here, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith of knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure, the stature, and the fullness of Christ. It speaks about maturity there. that we're, We need to have spiritual growth. It says, through the teaching of the Word of God, we are transformed in our thinking, which leads to spiritual maturity and spiritual discipleship takes place in the local church. So that was one thing we mentioned a while ago, too, about discipleship and this idea of, of, of growing. Anybody ever heard of the word discipleship? What, it, what is discipleship? What does it mean? What do you think it means? Uh, it means giving somebody the, the knowledge of you know, Christ to, so he can pass it on to another person and Who's responsible for discipleship? Pastors, first of all. Pastors, and who else? And anybody in the church. Right, believers. That's our. That's that's what we're. That's what we're, the idea here, and that's where we present people mature, um, and we do that by, by you know, some of you sitting here thinking, man, I don't even know the first thing myself, you know, and that's okay. Um, and, but the idea is, is to, if this, that's the direction you want to be moving in. It's just this idea 
of presenting yourself mature in Christ. You know, you know, we do this in the local church by first subjecting ourselves to pastoral leadership. Um, that we come here, for example, every Sunday, and we sit here. And when we sit down, we don't sit down with the the notion of what is what are you going to do for me today? You know, what am I? What do I leave here with? You know, as far as a, a personal gain, but on the on the contrary, Christ, what are you? trying to teach me? What are you speaking to me in my life? And as we go through right now, we've been going through the parables of Jesus. You know, my encouragement to you is, is when you leave here on Sunday and you go into your week, you just study that you, you've got the notes there in most situations. You've got the, the Bible verses and sit there and just try to to wrap your mind around it and what God is showing you and how this is, you know, so many, t- you know, scripture applies to us and to our lives. Now, it's not necessarily about us for our, our personal uh, gain in every situation, but what is Christ doing and how is he being exalted? You know, it says right here in, this, in the first, that second note about being transformed. How many of you heard the scripture that we're not conformed by the world, but that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind? That's Romans 12, and it's 1 and 2 talks about presenting ourselves a holy and living sacrifice. And the idea is... is um, you know, when you become a new believer, um, or maybe you've been maybe you've been coming to church for a long time and you don't feel like you've made much growth, the idea is, is your mind, your physical mind, is in a certain state at that time. Okay, and you know, as we be, you know, whatever you inundate your life with, that's what your mind develops around and builds. You know, we think about if you know if you have any familiarity with. Addictions, for example, and you wonder how does a person not just stop? How do they not just stop? Well, it's more to it than that because there's actually a spiritual aspect that there's a renewing of the mind that has to take place. But we've also got to make a conscious decision. We have to be disciplined and also step into that so that there, as as the Word of God moves in our life, that our minds are renewed. You know, our flesh that we deal with here, as we you know, is is unredeemed. You know, our spirit has been redeemed, and the Holy and the Holy Spirit dwells with us as believers. But that's why we still sin. But the idea is, is that we want to begin to pattern our lives, that there's a culture of change in us, that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. Paul says another profound statement in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. This is the Amplified Version. It says, Pattern yourselves after me, and follow my example, as I imitate and follow Christ. I just think that's probably one of the most bold statements um, in Scripture, that Paul is telling you, you essentially follow me as I follow Christ. Um, and the picture there for us is just shows us the importance, uh, obviously of spiritual growth, but discipleship. And this idea that I'm following Christ, I'm in alignment with Christ, so that the people that you bring in with you, the people that you or you know, teaching and that you are pouring into that the will of God in Christ is the same thing that you're putting out there. What's some thoughts on that? Or some questions? Anybody feel like that's impossible? Uh, I'm say, even though you probably never get there, you start with perfection. Um, in every way you can, in everything that God wants you to do. But I mean, we're not perfect. Yeah. And I think what and I think what'll help that is you're right, we're not perfect. And we won't be perfect. But if, as long as what we do is in accordance 
with the gospel message, with the exalting of Christ, um, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, as a church, we, we really can't go wrong. You know, but what happens is, is if we start veering off to the left or to the right and kind of coming up with our own good ideas or things that you know we think feel right, well, guess what happens? If that's not in alliance with Scripture, then that discipleship process becomes tainted um, at any level. And it's important that we always focus, Colossians 3, first verse, where it talks about seeking the things that are above and setting our eyes on the things that are above. And that is Christ. So as believers, that's our goal. If we do that, you know, I use this example at men's meeting the other night. If you think about a compass, you know, no matter which way you turn, no matter where you put it, what angle it is, it always points in the same direction, to north. And the idea for us as believers is, is that very same thing, that everything we do, we focus on Christ. We focus on the gospel message of who he is. Questions, thoughts? A lot, people, a lot of people say it's hard being a Christian. Nobody's perfect. But I'll tell you another thing that's uh, hard is impossible. Self-sanctification. Try that. I mean, it's not going to happen. Right. So, you know. No, 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 but you know, there's, there's nothing in Scripture that tips about it being easy. You know, uh, I mean, actually, Paul uses the words that he says, "I toil and I struggle for the gospel." You know, um, that doesn't sit well with us as the, you know, especially as American Christians. So many times, unfortunately, because we just we live in so much privilege, despite where you are in society, despite if you are the poorest person in the town. You still in America live in such a level of privilege. It's just it's hard for us sometimes to see that. Um, but the idea is is that the spiritual growth happens in our lives, and as you do that, your mind is as a re- your mind is renewed as this growth takes place. Your perspective, your perception, and your perspective of life changes. You know, it changes on how you see things as He moves in your life. The fourth one says is the privilege of serving. Who feels like serving is a privilege? Right? Serving when you want to serve or serving when you would rather not serve. Is that still a privilege? Serving is what we're called to as the body of Christ, as, as believers. Um, and it is a privilege. Um, and, and when you do engage in it, um, I do believe that you do see the uh, the the value in it, you know, but once again, in serving, there's a good chance you're going to probably get hurt, right? And I'm not telling you that to scare you off. I'm just trying to tell you in reality, but why it shouldn't matter is because we don't serve for ourselves. We serve for the advancement of the gospel um, as a body of believers. All right, this is a long verse here I want to read here in 1 Corinthians 12, but it says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of the spirit. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, and that would not make any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would we be our sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be our sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members. This is important right here. God arranged the members in the body, each of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? 
as it is, that if there are many parts, yet one body. There are many parts in one body. You know, so I mean, he personifies body parts here. You know? um, he makes the you know each one kind of seem like it needs to be independent of itself. You know, I think if any of you have watched Monsters Inc., you know, you got Mike Wachowski. He's the big eye that walks around with two legs and a hand. You know, I mean, the idea is, is that you know it's, it's just this picture that we're not just one big eye. You know, there's not just one part that's better than another. And I know that, you know, I, I've, you know, when you think about this, you're like, well, yeah, but you know, but is, is one part really more important than another? But ask somebody that doesn't have hearing, or ask somebody that doesn't have sight, or somebody that's missing limbs, and they well notice a difference in their life. Um, and the same thing goes for us, and this is the picture of the body of Christ. If God does arrange the members of the church in a certain spot, I mean, I bet you if I go across this room, I bet you I probably got 15 or 20 different things that you people have been involved with at church at some level. You know, some of you um, do things that are, you know, for a life group. Some of you do homeless ministry. Some of you do fostering. Some of you do teaching. Some of you do, you know, I mean, the list goes on and on. But is any position less important than another? Does anybody not believe that? Does anybody think that's not true? Right? Right? What else? God has called different people to have different uh, Giftings. strengths and strengths. gifts mm-hmm. to minister in different sections. Because not, not everybody can be a doctor, but it's important to You know, each person is called in a certain way for what God calls them. Correct. That's right. Kevin? Like the person at the door, greeting people. You have done studies on that. that well, I think it's within, it's like less than 30 seconds when a person enters a place, specifically if it's a new place, they form their opinion of what's going to actually dictate the rest of their time there that quickly. Um, it's not by chance that obviously we want greeters at the doors of our church um, greeting people into what's here. But think about that even in your own life, you know. I mean, you know, when you show up to somebody's house and, you know, you're kind of like not sure of their home, you're knocking on the door, you're kind of peeking through the window, seeing if anybody's there. They told you they were going to be there. But it's kind of like you already kind of get off on this first feeling like, man, I'm just, I wonder if I'm really welcomed here. I wonder if I should really even be here versus... Somebody essentially, you know, I guess if they met you at the street, that could get a little weird depending on where you live. But the idea is, is we, you know, there's importance in us seeing that we want to be welcomed into a situation. And we do, the greeters at the doors here um, are, are very important uh, because it gives us the idea that we, we want to be a church that serves. Um, but the only way that happens is if the body of Christ comes together, each person is situated. You know, look at just across a Sunday morning. It's just such a perfect picture of the body of Christ, you know, even physically, you've got, you know, you've got your, you've got your pastor, you've got your worship leaders, you've got the greeters at the doors, you've got the people working in Hebrews here, you've got people teaching classes, you've got the nursery school workers. I mean, everything of that works together. And it says right there that yet one body, as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And if all of a sudden all of the children's ministry people decided that they didn't need to, they weren't needed and didn't be here, guess what would happen? 
We'd be in a bind. We'd be in a bind. And it's because that is that shows the importance of it. It says, God arranges the members of the body in their most effective place. Romans 12, 4 through 8 says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts, just as you were speaking earlier, that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, to the one who teaches in his teaching, and the one who exhorts in his exhortation, and the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. It says, God gives us unique gifts that are intended to be used to serve the body of Christ and bring glory to the name of Jesus. Some of you may be sitting here thinking, I have absolutely no idea what my gift is or or what I'm supposed to do or how I'm supposed to do it. Um, but my encouragement to you is, is you, that may be very true and that may be possible. I mean, I can remember a time where I didn't really know what I wanted to do, what I wanted to do, and I guess the wrong way to put it, what Christ had for me. But I can tell you this, what's important is that you find a place to serve. Uh, because when we do that, when we just take that step, and whenever we decide we're going to serve in a particular area, uh, guess what happens? God begins to reveal things to you. Your heart begins to change. You begin to see things. Not only that, people around you will begin to see things that actually you're good at that you may have never even you may never even thought of. You would never even recognize. If you would have told me ten years ago that I would be a part of teaching at Lindenware Church, I would have told you you were crazy. Um, I would have just said, yeah, right. Not that I don't have a, I mean, obviously I had a desire for church. That wasn't the issue, but I would have said, there's no way. Um, not me. Uh, but as you begin to serve and as you begin to allow yourself to be vulnerable and as you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life and you become a part of a body of Christ and set yourself in, you know, God reveals things to you. Um, he moves you in the direction. He remember, He's the one that sets the members in their places. Um, and that's another another comment that ties in with this as well, is this idea of church, you know, in the, the growing of church and how people, you know, people come here, the quantity of people you have here. But remember we read in Acts in the beginning, it says Christ adds unto the church. This is this is Christ's church. And pastoral leadership here has been put in place. Remember, God has arranged the members, and he's put that leadership in place to guide the flock and to shepherd them, you know, wherever that needs to be. But ultimately, when the when the gospel is preached, when the word of God is spoken in church and is preached from the pulpit unapologetically on Sundays and Wednesdays, whatever it is, then guess what? That's when the Holy Spirit moves and changes people's heart. As you go out into your, the community and as you affect people for the gospel, God brings in people to church. He's the one that adds to our numbers. You know, it's not because we have good singing. It's not because we have good children's churches. not because we have nice parking or nice golf carts. All those things are, are help us to facilitate serving. But that's not what grows. That is not what Living Word is going to build their church on. This, the church will be added unto by Christ because this is His church. And it's going to be done through the preaching and the teaching and the discipleship of the gospel message. And that's what's just so important for us to remember. The church, we're a part of it. Um, and, and, and God needs us there specifically. 
But it's not just for our gain, for our benefit, and what we can get out of it. It's so that we can be servants to the people around us, to the body of Christ, and ultimately to advance the gospel. Um, this is the you know this is the last class for foundations. And I know, as you know, um, one obviously this helps you to understand who Living Word Church is, what we believe, why we believe what we believe. Um, but it's also an opportunity now that once you leave this class, you're able to you're able to find ways to serve in our church. And ultimately, what our heart is as a church is that um, that you would become you would become a member of Living Word Church. I don't know if that's been mentioned before this idea of membership or you're familiar with it or not. And it's not a club that you're signing up for. Um, you know, it's not that uh, so you can get a you know a little cool T-shirt or something and you can have you click. But the ideas of membership in this church, and its most important part is it shows it shows a commitment to the body of believers. One that you that you are interested in being a part of this body of believers. But secondly, what it does it allows our pastoral um, leadership to understand and know who they are shepherding and who that they are responsible for, um, and who's and the people's hearts that they are going to be coming into contact with on a weekly basis. And so what we do is what we do is an actual membership form. Um, so, and you think, well, that sounds like a club to me. Well, it's really not, but the idea is, is this is how we know who you are, uh, for one. We get to know some things about you. And then it also, probably most importantly, it once again states what we believe as a church. Not only what we believe, but as a, as, you know, it's, it's not our good ideas, remember. It's what we believe that's in alignment and accordance with God's Word. And it gives you this covenant here. I'll read it out. It says, I choose to be an active part of the family at Living Word Church. I believe God has placed me here to be a member of Living Word Church. As a functioning member, I will support, serve, and seek to be a blessing to others. I will pray and work together with the family of God. And I will remember that if, if one, and this is 1 Corinthians 12, 26, if one member suffers... All the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice in it. And together we will work to spread the gospel here in our community and wherever God leads us across the world. By signing this form, I agree with biblical foundations on which Living Word Church is founded. I am choosing to be a member and agree to the guidelines that are in place for the safety of this church, my family, and myself. Um, and it's just a, it's just a commitment. At the end of it all, that's really what it is, is you're showing a commitment to the body of Christ. Remember, that's what this is what the church is. It's the body of Christ. So every one of you in here are making a commitment to one another that you're there for them, that you've got their back, that you are going to do your part of where Christ has set you in order for one thing, the advancement of the gospel, that lives would be saved. I mean, that's our one goal in life as believers. So what do anybody think? Questions about that? Um, probably in heart you have, man. Yeah. No. What you know? What we'll do is we'll have these here at the corner of the table. If you'd like one, take one when you leave, and you can hand it in to guest services at your leisure. Nobody's going to coerce you into filling it out because remember, it's just a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a willingness to be a part of. What else? Any other thoughts or ideas? Questions? Yes, ma'am. As far as for serving for serving purposes, yes. 
Um, and the reason why is each, you know, each area of ministry has some sort of leadership, and we want that person um, to one know know who you are, to know your heart, and also fit the commitment to one another. Yeah. Um, and then of course guest services can give you any of the information as far as different areas that you may be interested in uh, serving. If you wanted to preach next weekend, it might be a little more difficult. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of other opportunities. What else? close in prayer. Lord Jesus, I do thank you for this time. God, I thank you for this group and for their commitment God, to just six weeks of learning and understanding not only where Living Words Church stands, but God, what your, what your word says, Father, and how it applies to our life. And God, I just pray, Father, as each person leaves here, God, that they leave here with, God, just a burden for the body of Christ. God, that they see the, the value that they have in the body. God, that they see God, that they are important, God, and in any aspect, in every area that they work, Father. God, that you, you are using them, God, for the advancement of your kingdom. God, I pray that in all things, God, your name would be lifted high. God, that your name would be exalted. And I thank you for this church, God, for just a body of believers, God, who just are intentional, God, of just advancing your kingdom. God, thank you for this time. God, thank you for this group. And God, may they be blessed them coming in and going out. And in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. All right, you're dismissed.